Welcome to Excel Boats on the X Podcast, powered by Mud Buddy Motors. I love the smell of napalm in the morning. The only podcast to bring you insights on the world of hunting, fishing, and boating. With your host, J. Paul Jackson. You don't say much, do you? Now, blow it up and side in. This is On the X. Welcome to the Excel Boats on the X Podcast. Powered by Mud Buddy Motor. I am your special guest host today, Jeffrey Whitlock, along with my co-host, Dave Reynolds, filling in for Jay Paul today. He's not able to be with us, and I think we're maybe a little bit better off because of it. What do you think, Dave? I agree entirely. <laughs> Hopefully, he'll he never do this without him. No problem. But, uh, I don't know if he actually pays attention to this uh, podcast. If he'll watch it when he's not on it, I don't know. No, I'm sure. I'm sure not. We we could say whatever we want about him. Good, because I plan on saying a lot of mean things today. About you. All right. Just Good. feeling mean, this coronavirus has got you mean. Exactly. It's the stir crazy. I've been home. Crazy. I've been home for weeks on end. I'm ready to I'm ready to claw somebody's eyes out, really. I hear you, man. It's I had to go in the office today for a little while. I had to process a few orders. There's a few things you cannot do at home that you gotta go to work for. Good. How's everybody there? Is everybody still alive? Yeah. Everybody's there. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, the whole crew, for the most part. <laughs> just good. unaffected. Good. So far, so good. Well, today we are joined by a very special guest, um, somebody we haven't had on for almost a year now. We're really excited to have him back on, the one and only Mr. Freddie King. Freddie, how you doing out there? I'm doing great, guys. And listen, Jay Paul, I don't know if you're listening, but I got you back, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> I got you back. So when they're talking in front of you, I'm going to be talking about you behind your back. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's a, oh, y'all must have him off somewhere. If he's missing a chance to uh, uh, talk about himself, y'all must really have him in a hole somewhere. I know. It must be something pretty big, pretty important. <laughs> You're right, man. He, he, he loves to talk about himself. Oh, Lord. He called me the other day, you know, and, and I thought we were going to conversation about something. And and he was just telling me about his sharpen list he was fixing to put together to go to Walmart. <laughs> and hung up. And I'm like, what the heck? And that was a 45-minute conversation, too, I'm sure. <laughs> it was. It was. It was. <laughs> Cottonelle, you know, and he talked about Cottonelle, talked about all kinds of different types of toilet papers and stuff. But once I saw where the conversation was going, I just flushed it. Yeah, just flushed it, huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, how you guys doing? Oh yeah, we're we're doing okay here. You know, we're uh, it's been yeah. You got the option of working at home at Bud Buddy. Some people taking advantage of that. Me and Jeffrey primarily. Yeah, my yeah. wife works in. Um, she's a PA, so she's in the hospital on the front lines. So I'm doing it for everybody else's own good. Well, I'm I, I'm proud, uh, extremely proud of of the folks like we have, like your wife having to actually put yourselves in the mix of it just to just kind of keep everything going keep people you know healthy at least uh, with the issues that are popping up and, and there's a lot of people that that are having to be put on the front lines and and you got to give them a big 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 shout out you know what i mean yeah i agree i mean it's 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 like a war i mean they're on the front lines putting themselves at risk i mean there's you hear about the shortages of masks and protective equipment i think she was in the other day she had one mask for the entire day wow 
Um, bad. Yeah, bad, so bad, it, bad. it is bad, but you know, we got, you know, it is sort of like a war in some ways. You got other companies like Ford kicking in and they're not building cars, but they're building mass. Um, you know, there's other companies that are chipping in and helping, you know, fill this great demand for protective, you know, masks and clothing for our health workers. So they aren't quite building battleships, but uh, pretty close to it, you know. <laughs> Just as important. Well, I mean, everybody's trying to do what they can. Most people are, we had a seminar scheduled up here. We're going to do it. Chris Aikens and uh, uh, Chris Jobman were going to come in. We were going to do a Master National Grand Seminar. And, you know, even though this area isn't extremely affected and everything, it would be, we canceled. So it would be irresponsible of us for, you know, to continue on and bring people in because we have people coming from everywhere. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. so we just, we just shut the doors down and, and it may not seem like much, but every little bit of thing like that people can do for the next eight or nine days, however long Trump's got us left on this quarantine, you know, yeah. it's just going to help. That's yeah, gonna, it makes you know, a huge difference. You know, we've been. Well, it does. Yeah, and we've been pretty diligent, you know, uh, social distancing here in Utah, and and actually our cases have pretty much stabilized the last day or two. So you know, not a well, that's good. That's cases, real good. So you know, hopefully, good. hopefully it, it's paying off. But yeah, I mean, it affects it's affecting everybody. You know, speaking of yeah, I guess you know, dog uh, trials start to get in big time this time of the year, don't they? Oh, Lord, yeah. Uh, I mean, I honestly made a call this morning that I hated to, to a guy that that supplies probably in this region, 40 to 50 percent of the birds. And, and, you know, you're talking about 300 ducks for, yeah. for, for hunt tests at an average of 10 bucks, you know, so you're looking at $3,000 and literally 25, 30 tests that he's missing out in this area this year because of that. So, yeah. you know, and, and, and that, that's his only income. So that's mm -hmm. a major lick right now. Yeah, it sure is. I imagine all the trials have been uh, pretty much canceled from indefinitely, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. So every aspect of the, of the, you know, retrieval world, the training world, that sort of thing. Yeah, every aspect of the economy. Somebody. You wouldn't think, you know, even a guy that supplies ducks, for uh, field trials, you know, is feeling the impact, but it's uh, it's a trickle down, it's affecting everybody. And I don't think there's one well, person out there, except toilet paper no, companies and, and Amazon that are benefiting. You know? <laughs> and Netflix, Netflix you. too. <laughs> Netflix, I guarantee you, and uh, I don't know, social media got to be making a ton more money with their little ads and stuff like that. With the, because uh, you know everybody's just sitting around thumbing around on their phones those sort of things but still yet i mean everybody's affected everybody's pulling their weight uh but no matter what we can only do this for so long we're all going to have to go back to work that's what this country is founded on hard work yeah. uh progression prosperity those sorts of things we want them to continue we got to go back to work so yeah sooner uh, I mean, better we, we, we gotta get this economy rolling yeah we got to be yeah. building some boats here and motors but uh that's it that's well, it you know yeah i mean looking back at these hard times let's uh, let's reflect on some of the good times um like this last duck season i know it was very challenging for uh for most 
hunters in the country. Um, in Arkansas had another tough year. Um, I think upper Midwest, they did pretty good because they got those early snowstorms and uh, I think they had some pretty good hunting, but uh, Arkansas in particular, man, I know I went there in January. I think I shot, I don't know, maybe 10 ducks in four or five days. It was, well, it was tough, but you know, but you seem to come through, Freddie. I mean, you uh, see your post and you got into them as usual. Well, I mean, uh, you know, we jumped around the state a lot, and and that makes a difference. Uh, a lot of folks don't get to hunt as much as we do, don't get to scout as much as we do, don't get to be out there chasing them as much as like we do. So, kind of like that blind hog finding in Akron's. If you stay at it long enough, you go you're gonna have some decent hunts. But I mean, we were we were pretty fortunate. We had probably one of our best years that we've had the last four or five years, and wow. and it was wow. all because of ability jump around and, and do things kind of on our own and we didn't hunt with the big groups that we normally did and and you did some you did some social distancing huh <laughs> we did yeah. do some social distancing <laughs> and, and you know what we hunted a lot we we hunted a lot of different areas that we normally uh kind of got back to the roots i'd say of, of of the way we most of us grew up hunting you know not just 100 percent in timber it's not until the last 12 13 14 15 years that we actually made uh timber our mainstay well this year we hunted a few more oxbows we uh which you know we commonly do but we we really hit a lot of areas like uh, field edges um old uh, uh willow bar uh willow thickets those sorts of things beaver ponds we hit a lot of areas like that where it seemed like the it wasn't like a huge concentration of birds but we'd go in there and, and there'd be three or four hundred ducks maybe four or five hundred teal and, and some oddballs in there and we'd have a decent hunt not enough to carry eight or ten guys but enough for you know four to six guys go in there and, and have a decent hunt but we, we stayed on birds like that and plus you know i'm not gonna uh, i'm not gonna lie about it we have a pretty good network of of friends and stuff that we duck up with and jump all around the state that sort of thing and spend time with and when they got birds and if they call you know we ain't stupid we're gonna bounce we're gonna get over there where them birds are and take advantage of that situation and then get back home and do our own plundering around so uh we we were on the road a lot but in all honesty yeah we did we had probably one of our best seasons yet in the last four or five years. Yeah, very few hunters could say that. Well, I noticed in Locked and Loaded, you know, that series you did this last fall, you know, not in the typical timber you're usually in. In fact, you're hunting out of boats a lot, hunting those willow breaks. Oh, uh, yeah. Flooded, shallow flooded areas off the rivers. Um, yeah, you got to be, you got to be versatile. Can't be set in your ways. No, that's just it. You know, if you're going to, if, if you're going to be, and I'm not going to say consistent, but if you're going to have a successful, let's just call it a successful duck season, you're going to have to change with the situations. And, you know, and just kind of starting at the very top of Arkansas's duck season there, uh, we had a, a, a pretty good rain, a lot of cold weather right there at the very beginning of the season. And it really set us off strong. We killed uh, ducks strong in the timber. We killed ducks strong elsewhere, oxbows, river banks, edges, those sorts of things. A couple of our buddies' place, uh, they were strong and stayed strong for all that first half of the season. 
and but we were set up for it you know we had some major cold weather we had a lot of rain and we never after that initial cold front you know we had some drops in temperatures and those sorts of things but we never ever got another strong cold front even though we got tons of rain up uh and and, and i'm when i say a ton of rain it was it was enough rain to sustain the river that the core had already planned on putting out so they had already said hey we're gonna put the river 30 foot come such and such a date well they did that and then it actually expanded above what they were calling for because of the amount of rain that we had so we had a big river for the remainder of the duck season without those big cold fronts to push birds down so we started hunting the same birds literally that were bouncing all over uh, the state of Arkansas. They'd get hammered up northeast Arkansas, big group, uh, and they kind of make their way to central Arkansas, somewhere where we might be hunting. Next time, they may be moving on further east, or they may go south. And that one big block of ducks, you know, it may have covered four or five different big areas, but they just kind of bounced around. And you can tell the more longer season went, the more stale and tougher those birds got, and you had to change your tactics. I mean, you really had to change your tactics from no calling to only a half a dozen decoys, half of those decoys on jerk strings, and just had to really, really do a lot more scouting. If you weren't on the X, you were not going to come up with birds. That's just the way it was. Yeah, I'm sure you kill them in one spot one day, and then that day's burned, or that spot's burned out. Oh, yeah, that was probably yeah. too many places to go. And and by the way, you could blame Bill Atkinson. He's our rep on the on lack of cold weather and freezing. You know, two years ago he bought an ice eater. Right. You have not had ice in Arkansas. <clears throat> pardon me. Since he bought that ice eater, so you could blame Bill Atkinson next time. He's home. <laughs> yeah. next well, time he's home. I'm I'm gonna tell you, you know, just to add exactly what you're saying there. You know, Bill went and bought that ice eater just because of the past years we we normally get a good two to three inch thick ice that'll last a week. And if you get if you can keep something open, you're gonna kill ducks. Well, lo and behold, this whole entire I put my gloves on one morning. One wow. morning to run to the hole. I never we never saw skim ice except for two mornings of duck season. And that was early in earlier in the year. And then after that it was it was non existent. Matter of fact we still ain't seen any wood I would call or you know consider actual ice mm -hmm. just not gonna have it you know that was that was one of the problems we had here in Utah we had um, early season it was pretty mild weather warm uh, had a couple early well uh, cold fronts came in and it brought a lot of birds but then after that just high pressure and the birds got smart and then we had a very early freeze the entire marsh froze and the typical adage is, you know, with the first freeze, you lose about half of your birds. And so we lost about half. And then it got warm again, ice all melted, and we had another cold snap. Marshes froze completely again, and we lost half of the half. And what was unprecedented this year is we had, I believe it was three complete freezes this year and after that it froze solid and then it thawed got warm and our birds were just not uh, they were they were gone 
you know, those three hard freezes and the subsequent high pressure just uh, destroyed our, our late season hunting. It was, uh, it was probably the worst late season I could remember. I mean, you know, typically late season, you know, you lose half of your birds or half of your half, you're still gonna have good hunting because the birds are concentrated, there's less hunting pressure, you know, you do your scouting and late season could be phenomenal, but those typical spots didn't have ice, All, the entire marsh was open. It made it, it made it very difficult. In fact, um, you know, late season, I think the last hunt I went on, I shot one mallard. I only saw he was in a flock of 20, 20 mallards. Fortunately, he was banded. So it's a good way to end the season. But get this, he was banded four miles north of where I killed him. And he was banded a year ago, January. So Holy that tells me one of two things. One, this is a local bird that never migrates. And he was with a group of 20. And those are the only 20 ducks I saw all day, by the way. So <laughs> it's either that or he's a very late migrator and he comes through every year in January, either or, you know, it, it was, it was a tough year in uh, Utah, particularly, you know, the, the end of the season. Well, I, I'm not, personally, I'm not going to lie. The, uh, uh, normally we kill 90, 95% mallards. This year, I'm going to say our mallard count was probably, even though we kill more ducks than we have in the last four or five years, uh, our mallard count was, uh, probably only 55, 60% of normally what it was. We killed a lot more teal. We killed redheads. We killed canvas back. We killed a lot of gadwalls. And I think I said teal, but, mm -hmm. uh, it was, it was a big mixture, but that's also because of, of us getting out of our norm of hunting the timber and getting in those areas that those, you know, other ducks like to frequent and which is quite all right with me. You know, I mean, I love to eat teal. I'd rather eat teal than I had mallards. Uh, oh, yeah, and, any day. And, That's my favorite. Yeah, they're fun to shoot. Oh, yeah. No, they're exciting. No, they decoy nice. It, um, it's, exactly. it's fun to mix it up every year. You know, you try different it, tactics. Yeah, I even did some diver hunting for, you know, canvasback and redhead. And it was the same, you know, not as many mallards. Unfortunately, not as many teal. You know, one thing you could always count on late season in Utah is teal hunts out on the Great Salt Lake. Man, those teal rafts by the tens of thousands and that is always a sure bet they were non-existent this year yep you go out there you see little spoonbills but no teal well they must have made it to arkansas because we we had some of the craziest teal hunts that, that i've ever been on As a matter of fact you know uh this coming fall and into the early part of duck season and uh unseen locked and loaded series we're going to see a lot of those big groups of teal coming in so i mean we'd see groups of 500 and yeah. i mean just you know which is absolutely fun for eight to ten guns that can't shoot <laughs> yeah oh yeah that is a lot of fun they're a little smaller targets than those big mallards oh, yeah. coming through the treetops yeah. you know they're fast oh yeah well when you're used to birds dropping straight down and just kind of fluttering you know, it don't take much of a skilled uh, um, uh, shotgunner to uh, bring down two or three ducks at uh, every volley. But by no. gosh, them daggum teal coming whizzing by you at about 15 yards at a freaking 100 knots, 
they'll, you know, they'll, they'll hunt. They'll, they'll give you a big slice of humble pie real doggone quick. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you know, the most difficult part is not to flock shoot that first shot. Usually the second shot, you settle down a little bit. But that first shot, you got 500 of them. It's like, man, what one do I pick out? What, what, what one do I shoot? But I don't know. It always seems like I do a lot better when I cluster shoot anyway. So. Yeah. <laughs> hey, if you get the general lead of the whole flock, you know, you're leading. Yeah, right, yeah. You get lucky. But, oh, yeah, you do. You do. But no, I, you know, but going back to what I was saying earlier about us hunting those different areas, you know, we hunted out of the boat a lot. And that's usually not our favorite thing to do. But the more I did it last year, I mean, that pro hole boat to me is the ticket. You know, I'm, I got to where I figured out exactly how to carry all the decoys, all three guys, and a dog, and have all our gear, camera equipment, all that mess, and we can go out there, set up, tie up, get ourselves lodged in, and it was basically like we were hunting out of a nice blind, you know, minus the, the big cover over you and all that kind of mess. Yeah. But, I mean, we stayed comfortable. We had our chairs in there. We killed these not out of ducks. But that pro hole gave us tons of room to move, tons of room for storage, and was solid. You know, I mean, if you're going to do some good shotgun, you got to have a, a, a solid platform to shoot out of. And it didn't take as much work to, you know, to get that rig solid where, three guys and and trust me we had at times four guys in that pro hole shoot and wow by golly you know we, we knock our ducks down yeah. and that's probably without spud poles too you don't have spud poles on your oh no here. no we didn't have those spud poles i mean we'd just go in there and and just kind of just use some uh, ratchet straps and just kind of lift one corner up a little bit and get the other one kind of but the boat is the boat is 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 that 1751 with that pro hole the way it's laid out everything you kind of get everybody situated and say all right right here's your shooting zone right here's your shooting zone right here's your shooting zone and it didn't matter if what the ducks were doing or who was shooting you could throw up and everybody be shooting and you wouldn't come off the, the duck the boat wouldn't move enough for you to miss the duck because of the boat moving if you miss normally it's your uh your abilities <laughs> yeah <laughs> but no I, and, yeah. but yeah, I mean, hunting out of a boat, that's a, that's a gentleman's hunt. I enjoy it, too. I mean, it, it beats standing in knee-deep, waist-deep water all day. And and you could carry on conversations more. I mean, it is like hunting out of a blind. And that's the closest we come to hunting out of a blind here in Utah is, is boat hunting. So of course, when my kids were younger, that's all I'd do. Because, you know, they, they could well, stand right. in the water. And, 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 uh, well, it's comfortable. It is enjoyable. It's comfortable, you know, and I mean, don't get me wrong. I love standing up against the oak tree and all that kind of mess. But this past year, you know, hunting out of that boat the way we were and everything, I'm, I'm already gearing stuff up for next season to where we'll probably do a lot more hunting out of the boat. We'll have we'll have our gear set up and, and the ability to – a lot of times we didn't kill ducks years in the past because we absolutely said, oh, I don't want to hunt out of the boat. I want to do this. But now, with that pro hole and the way we're setting up everything, oh, heck, uh, I just about soon do it. Right on. Well, good to have a different game plan every year. Well, you better if you want to stay successful. I mean, yeah. that's that's exactly what we found. Because, I mean, there would be times, honestly, John could say, man, we, we, 
we've hunted this, we hunted that, you want to try to go do this? And and we say, yeah, tomorrow morning, let's go over there and let's let's hunt that backside of, you know, that 38 acres or whatever, and, and uh, it should be good. Well, about the time we'd start meeting up in the morning because of the day before hunting out of the boat in the area, and we saw where the birds were going, well, you know we'd have to hunt out of the boat if we go over there, don't you? Yeah, but gum, I think it'd be better. Well, there we go. We'd be in the boat again. <laughs> and that's, that's what, that's what, I mean, that's what saved us, you know, just not, not limiting ourselves to, to, uh, just hunting one style or going places that we normally did or normally hunted throughout the years. We just say, I tell you what, let's go do that. Let's do that. We know we can, we know what enough ducks will see us that we'll, we'll kill a three to four, maybe five man limit. And most times it's just three or four of us, but, uh, uh, and that's why we were successful. We just kind of got off uh, out of our actual norm way of doing things and let the tools that we have uh, accessible to us in the known area and put them to work. Yeah, and it's it's rewarding doing well, you know, when hunting new areas that you're not familiar with, too. I think it's it's really rewarding. And, you know, like I said, it gives you other options. Just have to get out of your comfort zone once in a while. That's it. That's more it. More hunters, I think, need to do that. Um, you know, try different things, hunt different areas. You know, I know a lot of guys are set up with uh, traditional blinds in in areas, and and uh, and they're pretty limited to hunting those blinds. But um, boy, you get out of those blinds and hunt different spots, and that opens up a lot of opportunities. Well, it does. It opens up opportunities, and plus, you know, you don't get stagnant on the same thing. Uh, especially because if the ducks, you're at the mercy of the ducks 100% there. You, you are everywhere, but even more so when you limit yourself to the same exact place and the same exact style of hunting, you're, you're at the ducks' mercy of being there every single day. I mean, I know these guys, right? I promise you, out of our 60 duck day duck season, they'll go, they're going to hunt 45, 50 days, and they will absolutely, and they're great guys and great duck hunters know what they're doing that sort of thing but these two older gentlemen go to the exact same spot they set up the exact same way and either it is or it isn't going to happen for them and and even if it's just an absolute horrible day they will not pick up till 11 o'clock <laughs> so you know they're done they're duck hunting for the right reason to get out there and have a good time, no matter what's going on. But, right, uh, and, right. Just like you, get out. <laughs> you know, enjoying their time and all that kind of mess. But uh, and, and which was what we should be doing. What, what we're having to do right now, enjoy our time with that coronavirus going on. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Make the most of our time. Yeah. Get outside. I guarantee you. Getting outside and getting fresh air helps. I, I, I feel oh. those countries, you know, Spain and Italy, where you can't even do that. Can you imagine? No, no, no. I'm just, you know, if we just figure out a way to just completely negate ourselves away from the phones, that would be, you know, that would be awesome. <laughs> yeah. right, we're, going on a, we're going on a social media and 100% phone quarantine for one month. There you go. Yep, wouldn't do much for boat sales, but uh, you know, keep things rolling, anyways. Oh, you might be surprised if somebody ain't got nothing better to do. I'm gonna go by and take a look at that. That's true, that's one of the few things you can do social distancing, go out on the boat ramp and do some fishing. Yeah, that's providing boat ramps are open. I know in Florida they closed a few, but that was primarily due to the spring breakers. And I think right, elsewhere right. in the country, all the boat ramps are open, uh, 
from what I've heard, a lot of people are getting out and going fishing. Well, I did well. Matter of fact, they're in the state of Arkansas. Uh, I think, I can't remember the dates. I think it started uh, like March 20th through the end of March or maybe even into April. Um, uh, the Arkansas Game and Fish has waived all hunting licenses or all fishing licenses. You do not have to have a fishing license to go. So if you're a first-time fisherman, whatever, get out there with your family. They want they want people to get out there and enjoy the outdoors in the waters. That's great. That's a great idea. Yeah, and and uh, screw the limits too, right? No limits. <laughs> well, I don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't want to be caught on the little red with my uh, my, uh, my no, limit over no. on, on trout. I think they might look at you a little funny. Yeah, I think so. But no, what a promotion to get people back in the outdoors or people who used to fish and, you know, to get back into it. It's a perfect opportunity. Well, I mean, you know, not to change our subject and go back to this coronavirus thing, but that's just another way, like you were talking about, uh, uh, the way that game and fish can, can help you know, ease the strain and stresses, uh, you know, that come along with this, this thing that is going on, you know, same thing that, that Ford and General Motors and all those companies are doing, they have the ability to reach out and help and, and, and take a lot of stress off and those sorts of things. Well, Game and Fish is doing that. And I'm sure there's other states that are doing the same thing. We just haven't heard of them, you know. No, I, mean, I get updates from Utah, and they get fishing reports, and, you know, they're encouraging more people to go out and go fishing, and, and uh, I mean, as we all know, getting out in the outdoors is rejuvenating, you know, it's, yeah. it's good to get out where there's very little stress. Well, to me, the outdoors is the only thing, the only place you can go, the outdoors is the only place you can go with, no matter who it's with, family, whatever, and actually get back to square one. It's the only thing you can do to go back and actually reset. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I it's better. I, I mean, I think most of the listeners here would agree with that. I mean, you can't go to the gym and do a reset. You can't go to work and do a reset. No, you can't, can't go, go to the movie theater yeah. now. Yeah. You can't even go to I restaurants mean, now. You can't do anything. You can't go to the bar because no. you're drinking that away. <laughs> no, yeah. uh -uh. so I mean it's all it's all about the outdoors, and even before this, you know, uh, I, I think that's what a lot of people are missing. Hopefully, hopefully, a lot of people are kind of getting rekindled about this outdoors thing. Yeah, there's always a silver lining. Hopefully, that is a silver lining. People are going to get back into it and break out their boats. So guys that haven't boated in a while or fished in a while get back out, and it's good family activity. Drag the kids out because the kids are at home, bored, stiff not going to school i know my kids are all right guys well i'm gonna hit the pause button on this discussion for today uh we've run out of time unfortunately but i definitely want to continue on so we're gonna do a part two of this discussion here in just a couple of days on our next episode uh so in the meantime for all of you out there listening on behalf of myself jeffrey whitlock and my co-host dave reynolds and of course our special guest uh, freddie king thank you so much for joining us today and to all of you out there thank you for listening to this edition of the Excel Boats on the X Podcast, powered by Mud Buddy Motors.